Dr. Pamela Larde, and this is The Joy Whisperer, where we explore the practice and the science of joy as a catalyst to our resilience, our relationships, our restoration, and our resistance. Today, we are going to be looking at life after heartbreak. I know many of you have been there, and I know many of you are still there, and it's based on my book, Letters to the Brokenhearted. For those of you who are familiar with that book, you'll recognize today's three truths. Truth number one, we can refocus. Truth number two, we can rebuild. And truth number three, we can relove. Stay tuned. We have a lot to talk about today. Get ready, take notes, and let the joy whispering begin. An amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. Hmm, maybe you can make retirement happen. After all, you made home ownership happen. Homeschooling yourself on loans, beefing up your credit score. So I'm pre-approved. You were like, yes! Sorry. Color coding listings, ticking boxes, and flushing every toilet in a 20-mile radius. Home sweet home. You aced house hunting. Now get the tips you need to get on track at aceyourretirement.org. There are 16 million children struggling with hunger in America. That's one in five daughters, sons, neighbors, and classmates who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yet billions of pounds of good food go to waste every year. It's time we do something about it. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks that helps provide meals to millions of kids and families in need. Visit feedingamerica.org to help them feed even more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Welcome back to The Joy Whisperer. Now, I know we've all heard of PTSD and PTS, which is post-traumatic stress syndrome and post-traumatic stress. But what many of us have not heard of, but have probably experienced, is what's called post-traumatic relationship syndrome. We take the traumas that we experience in our relationships and we move them into other situations. Um, we have the defense mechanisms that we needed in that relationship and we exercise them in new relationships, uh, even if it's different types of relationships. We may take the trauma from a romantic relationship and translate that over to work-related relationships. And so this is why you see leaders who are dysfunctional in a lot of different ways because they are taking their trauma from different situations and applying that 
to the work that they're doing. And so it's important for us to understand how the trauma from previous relationships can translate to our behavior in a lot of different situations. So for example, if you go through a really difficult divorce, even if the relationship itself wasn't traumatic, that process of breaking away from each other, of dividing up whatever needs to be divided up, you know, of reconciling those differences can indeed be traumatic and can cause you pause in moving forward with different types of relationships. So I want you to think about that and I want you to pay attention to that. To what extent do your previous relationships carry over? When we experience heartbreak, it's important that we understand how to refocus. When we come back, I'm gonna show you ways to do exactly that. STEM is the discipline of hard numbers. Precise, no margin for error. Dare to forget that. Dare to have fun with it. Get weird with it. Dare to get messy or just mess it up. Dare to program something internet breaking, record breaking. Dare to blow their minds. Dare to try, dare to fail. Dare to keep daring. Dare to learn the difference between organic sedimentary and non-foliated metamorphic rock. Get outside, find those rocks. Dare to be homeroom famous, a high school fable. Dare to send those old STEM theories flying past the neighbor's house into outer space. And for the love of STEM, dare bigger. Dare to code, dare to invent, dare to explore, dare to STEM. Check out She Can STEM to get started. Jason, let's go see your room. What do you think? We kept it a little spare, so you can decorate it how you like. Dinner! Hello? Excellent. Soccer is fun. Yeah, I saw you guys out there. We're in the Letters to the Brokenhearted, I talk about three ways to overcome heartbreak, refocus, rebuild, and relove. Refocusing is the first and most important part because it's the thing that gets us out of what's called complicated grief. Complicated grief is we can't stop thinking about it. It permeates our dreams, the situation we keep mulling over it. What if I had said this differently? What if I had said that differently? Um, and I know I, we all do it. I, I do it you know, probably more than anybody else, because I'm constantly thinking about 
Is there anything I could have done differently to change the outcome of that relationship? Is there anything I could have done differently to have not met the person in the first place, if we're being honest? But when we refocus, we stop spending so much time really obsessing over that relationship, over trying to get it back, or what we could have done differently. Now, it's okay, certainly, to reflect upon what you know we want to do differently in, in terms of improving for future situations. But when you are in the midst of a heartbreak, and it's imperative that you move forward and that you keep progressing with your life, one of the best ways to do that is with refocusing, by getting involved with other um, activities and uh, a lot of people say one way to get out of, uh, get over a relationship is to get into another one. That's not the kind of refocusing I'm talking about. I'm talking about healthy activities that will stimulate your brain and your mind and bring you energy and joy. So join a team of some sort. You know, um, you know, there's a lot of different types of activities, outdoors activities that we can do. But then there's also, you know, online groups, reading groups, um, there's books. And I love, love, love eBooks nowadays. I've been doing a lot of going outside and walking and just really completely consuming myself um, with, with different eBooks, whether it is stories that people are telling about themselves or biographies or self-help. Um, there's a lot of different ways to dive into um, works like that. Also, engaging in different talents that you may have that you might have abandoned. Perhaps you're an artist in some ways and, and you want to dive into that, or you're a writer or a dancer. Find ways to nurture those talents that you already have, because when you're able to do that and you give yourself time to do that, not only do you find joy, but you also are able to distract yourself and focus in on something that's a little bit different than the ending of that relationship. So I encourage you, if that you know, if you want to find some things to get involved in, find those things that really mirror your strength. But then also connecting with other people is going to be really important as well. So refocusing with other people, people that maybe you haven't been in touch with for quite some time because of that relationship, people that have similar interests, discussion groups, family, friends, you know, people that can help, you know, build that company, build that camaraderie with you. We all have a need for human connection. And refocusing by connecting with other human beings is going to be one of those things that makes all the difference between having moments where we are feeling hopelessly um, isolated or lonely and those moments where we feel supported and loved and people you know, who are surrounding us that we can actually talk to and process with. So it's important to think about how can I refocus and find ways to move forward in my life because the relationship is done. The relationship is not what I want it to be and I need to move on. Another way to refocus is to refocus on your goals. And so a lot of us have goals that we may have abandoned, goals that we probably were not able to pursue while in that relationship and goals that we just never dared to dive into. 
One of the first things I did prior to exiting my marriage was what are those things that I really want to do that I've always wanted to do? I've always wanted to travel and go outside of the country. And so I made it a point to do that. Within a couple of years, I had traveled to so many different places and learned that, wow, this is a whole other part of myself that I didn't even know was there. So finding ways to refocus, um, even on career goals, personal goals, creative goals, and with other people is going to help you move forward after the ending of a relationship. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college, so I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. <laughs> I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process and most importantly you have instructors that bring real-life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. handle unforgivable acts committed against us. We're always told to just forgive, but what's really the best way to move forward after this happens? One question. Forgiveness is more about you. It's about you growing into being the better person for yourself. Not really focusing on the act that the person has imposed upon you, allowing the universe to hold them accountable for those actions and you releasing that and moving forward. Now, refocusing undoubtedly is one great way to make sure we're taking care of ourselves after heartbreak, but it also can have a downside. It's important to know that if you are refocusing as a way of ignoring or numbing what's actually happening in your life, that's not necessarily healthy refocusing. Now, our refocusing should be the kind of refocusing that propels us forward, that enables growth, and that really helps us to look for other things that are going to give us joy in our lives. When our refocusing actually causes us to regress, so maybe we are over-drinking or over-sexing or doing things that really do not serve us well, 
we are refocusing in unhealthy ways. A lot of times people might automatically think, oh, you know, you're keeping yourself busy, you're doing too many things, um, that's not healthy. Well, staying busy in and of itself is not necessarily unhealthy. It's about what you're staying busy doing. I'll share with you how I refocused and I'll dissect the ways in which that may or may not have been healthy. So for me, I had my entire week filled. I had something scheduled for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and throughout the weekend. And so Monday might be tennis, Tuesday might be Bible study, Wednesday was church service, Thursday, you know, I a book club, bunko group on Friday. So I literally had something scheduled for myself every single day of the week when I was going through my own heartbreak. And all of those things serve different purposes. So the tennis kept me athletically fit. The church four days a week had me spiritually grounded. Um, the Bunko group had me connected to a group of women. I had never even heard of Bunko. If you don't know what it is, go look it up. But it had me connected to a group of women on Friday evenings. And so I made sure that I was doing activities that kept me grounded, that gave me joy, and that enabled me to move forward and progress in my life. Now, had I been using these activities in ways that were unhealthy and ways that really just kind of made me forget and not face the reality of what was actually going on in my life, then that would be unhealthy. So it's wonderful to go to church and get spiritually grounded. I highly encourage that. But if you are completely inundating yourself with activities, in, 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 including church, every single day, but at no point do you stop and take a moment to check in on yourself and to make sure that you're okay and to apply what you're learning at church to your progression, then you're likely just doing things just to be doing things. So refocusing is not about going through the motions and filling all the spaces that you possibly can so that you can never think about your life. Refocusing gives you the energy that you need so that you can do the work for your own life. What it does is it keeps you from consistently dwelling on what's happening and spiraling downward as a result. So when you are refocusing and you on you know you might find yourself on this adrenaline and on this high doing all of these things, if there are moments where you find yourself crashing and nothing has been done to move you forward, nothing has been done to process what's actually happening in your life, then the refocusing essentially is in vain. So make sure that the refocus is done with purpose and intention, that there is a reason for every single thing that you have opted to do during this refocusing time. Because again, it's not about filling in the gaps and filling in the spaces. It's not about numbing yourself so you don't feel the pain or the distress or the sadness that you may be going through through the process. It's important that you do feel it. This is one of the reasons for me that the spiritual grounding was so important because I did have moments of distress, of anger, of frustration, and I needed a way to express that. I needed an outlet for that. And so for me, church was a great outlet for that. For me, doing the Bunko group with the women was a, an excellent outlet for that. And so whatever it is that's going to help you with your outlet for expression, 
is what you want to consider a healthy means for refocusing after a heartbreak. So make sure you know the difference between unhealthy refocusing and healthy refocusing. Joy is power, and this week's power gear is my Nap Queen Vibes shirt. Yes, everybody who knows me well knows that I do not play about my naps. So if you want to be a part of the Nap Queen tribe, go to the joywhisperer.org website, visit the store, and get yourself a Nap Queen Vibes shirt as well. There are shirts, there are pillows, there are sweatshirts, whatever best fits you, Go ahead and get yours. And when you get it, snap a pic, post it to social media, and let us know that you are down with the naps. There are 16 million children struggling with hunger in America. That's one in five daughters, sons, neighbors, and classmates who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yet billions of pounds of good food go to waste every year. It's time we do something about it. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks that helps provide meals to millions of kids and families in need. Visit feedingamerica.org to help them feed even more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Freedom. It's at the core of who we are. The freedom to live without fear. To jog where we please. To wear a hoodie. The freedom to breathe. Before we celebrate the freedom most Americans have, we must fight for the freedom all Americans deserve. Because all lives can't matter until black lives matter. Thank you. Welcome back. So rebuilding is something that we do to build our strength and to get our bearings back after experiencing heartbreak. So if you think about it, when we go through heartbreak, we've been wounded in, in you know, a number of different ways. So sometimes it can be that the, the wound was inflicted upon us, and it could be that we inflicted it upon somebody else. And it's difficult to wound somebody else without feeling the repercussions of that. So in either case, there is a need to rebuild, to get our strength back. And so one of the first things that I encourage when it comes to rebuilding is figuring out those areas that have been weakened that are struggling. So if there is a, maybe a hit to your self-esteem, you know, maybe you're struggling with whether or not you still got it or whether or not you are gorgeous enough to attract anybody else again, or whether or not you can even stand to look at your own self in the mirror. Now, when you rebuild that part of yourself, when you rebuild your self-esteem, it means that you are taking intentional action to ensure that you believe in yourself and you believe in your abilities once again. 
And this can be done in a number of different ways. You know, of course, first and foremost, number one, if needed, always seek out therapy, seek out help. In some cases, therapy is, is most, more appropriate. In other cases, it might be coaching. And I'll tell you the difference. With therapy, there is an intentional um, objective to work on healing, to work on fixing those wounds. With coaching, the intention is about goal setting. So we are going to you know, work together to accomplish a goal that we see for our future. And so maybe that goal is to be able to look in the mirror at oneself and say, you know what? I love what I see and I'm going to work towards that goal. But if that goal is being hindered by a wound, which maybe, for example, you were constantly told that you weren't worthy, that you weren't beautiful, then that wound is something that needs to be healed. And that is where therapy comes in. So what does it take to, to rebuild as it pertains to healing those wounds? And it, it's important for you to know the difference between whether or not I need to dive into goal setting or whether or not within that goal setting, I also need to heal some serious wounds. Now, another thing that we're looking at when we're rebuilding is we're also rebuilding our network. We're also rebuilding the collective of people that are around us for a number of reasons, you know, because when you exit a relationship, you know, that also means also possibly exiting a number of different relationships that may have existed because of that one. So if you are no longer connected, let's say, to in-laws or mutual friends um, or so forth, then it's important for us to rebuild our network to make sure that we are thoroughly supported, especially through this time of transition. So rebuilding our network is going to be essential. And, and different ways of doing that um, involves being willing to step out there and do what you might not normally do. You know, it might mean going to a networking event, which is something I personally loathe and do not enjoy doing. But I have really encouraged myself to go ahead, step out, do it and try it. And every single time I have found that, you know what, I'm so glad I did that. It was so beneficial to me. And even if I didn't make all the connections I wanted to make, I helped myself move a step closer to building and being brave enough, really, to build the kinds of connections I need to build in order to rebuild myself. Another thing is, when it comes to rebuilding, is making sure that we rebuild our, you know, our vision for the future. Because sometimes when we had a vision within a relationship, it only entailed the person that we were involved with. But when we are now in a new situation and we're by ourselves, we have to be aware of whether or not those old dreams, those old aspirations still resonate, are still exactly what we wanna do. So this is a time to also rebuild our dreams. So this time of rebuilding is essential to our core in order to truly be able to move on. How can we make the most out of our fear of the unknown? Well, the fear of the unknown is a natural occurrence in life. And we're actually designed to fear that which we're unsure that we can handle. So once we're able to accept that and embrace that part of us, 
It actually doesn't have to be debilitating or stop us from taking the steps to get to the other side of what's unknown. One important aspect of rebuilding is understanding the kind of help that you need. We don't always know exactly what that is, and sometimes it happens through trial and error. We often get a lot of advice and feedback from people about what they think we need to do. And some of that is good. Some of it's good feedback, some of it's good advice, and some of it is just really not good for us at all. So it's important for us to pay attention to what our needs are and to be willing to gravitate into that direction, whether or not other people co-sign on that you know, for you. Uh, the other thing is making sure that we are really listening to ourselves in terms of the things that we're struggling with, you know, within, because we may never share that with other people. And when we don't share that with other people, of course, we're not getting feedback that is accurate or that integrate, integrates that particular need. So I'll tell you in my case, you know, I tried different types of therapy. And this is particularly when I was going through actually in two different seasons of my life. Um, once when I was going through my divorce and second, after I was in a pretty important relationship that ended and I just, you know, was devastated by it. So I tried therapy in, in both situations. And, and I, I don't say that I tried and it failed. I say that I tried and it wasn't a good fit for the first couple of rounds. So I met a therapist, um, right after I was going through my divorce and they're just, it didn't seem that she really could connect with me and that I, I, you know, and I certainly wasn't really opening up to her. I didn't feel the level of comfort that I thought I should feel when I'm, you know, going through therapy. And that's just a matter of uh, finding the right match. So it's really important to be patient with the price process because a lot of people will quit. You know, if they go to the first therapist and it doesn't work out, um, they'll just kind of let it go and they won't try again. And I think it's really important for us to think of searching for help the way that we think of, you know, dating or job searching, it's important. And we need to make sure that we have the right fit. Um, I remember sitting there talking to my first therapist and she just tells me, you know, it just seems like you're not opening up. You know, you're sitting here telling me about some of the most traumatic things that you've ever experienced. And you're just, you know, talking as if, you know, you're talking about some new socks you bought. And it occurred to me, you know what, you were so right. And I didn't say this, and I didn't really even realize this in the moment, but it was because I didn't feel connected to her in a way that enabled me to open up the way I wanted to. Now, of course, the responsibility is partially on us to open up, but it's also important to know that we deserve a good match. We deserve to feel comfortable and safe in our relationships and our connections with our therapist. So... I did seek out, I mean, I stayed with her a little longer, but I did eventually seek out another therapist. Um, the second therapist told me that, you know what? You actually seem fine. You're doing all the right things. You have a great new job. You've relocated. You've done all the right things. I don't think there's anything I can do to help you. But I knew I was struggling and I knew that I needed support. So we had that one session and that was it. But eventually I was able to find somebody who I did connect with and I was able to do real work with this person for probably about a year. 
And it was so important that I stuck with the mission to find myself the help that I need. There are cases in which the therapist might have very different worldviews than you have. And I, I remember one therapist told me that working into the night, because I was a night owl, I was a writer. And so I spent a lot of evenings going right into two, three, four o'clock in the morning writing. And her philosophy and her spiritual grounding said that it is wrong to work when the sun goes down. So clearly we had very different worldviews and that just, you know, we can't get stuck on that particular thing if I'm going to progress, you know, under your care. So again, I remained patient. I stuck with the process and I made sure that I found the help that I needed to find. And eventually I ended up securing a coach to help me with my goal setting so that I can make sure that not only am I healing, but I'm also progressing forward. So that self-awareness when you're rebuilding is going to be essential. Stay true to yourself and make sure you get what you need. STEM is the discipline of hard numbers, precise, no margin for error. Dare to forget that. Dare to have fun with it. Get weird with it. Dare to get messy or just mess it up. Dare to program something internet breaking, record breaking. Dare to blow their minds. Dare to try, dare to fail. Dare to keep daring. Dare to learn the difference between organic, sedimentary, and non-foliated metamorphic rock. Get outside, find those rocks. Dare to be homeroom famous, a high school fable. Dare to send those old STEM theories flying past the neighbor's house into outer space. And for the love of STEM, dare bigger. Dare to code, dare to invent, dare to explore, dare to STEM. Check out She Can STEM to get started an amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college, so I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. This week's whisper in my ear comes from a 30-year-old woman who is interested in finding out how you can secure a mentor. 
She said in her younger years, she had a number of mentors who supported her through a lot of different life changes that she went through um, at the early phases of her life in her 20s. But now in her 30s, she's at a different phase. She now has two children. She is considering changing careers. And the kind of mentorship she needs now is very different than what she had before. Great question. I know that for myself, I had, I too had different kinds of mentors. When I was in my early 20s, um, I certainly had that mentor that was kind of like, yes, you can do it, you know, whatever it is you want to be when you grow up, <laughs> um, you know, strive to it, push to it. But when you're in your 30s, as you know, in my case, I definitely had two kids. I was actually on the heels of divorce. I was just stepping into my career. I had a very different needs for mentorship. One of the first things that I would recommend is to first and foremost, be abundantly open to your options. Now, a lot of us might have a certain prototype of mentor that we are looking for and that we prefer. Now, that is totally okay because you can have more than one mentor. What I would say is to broaden your horizons and be open to a wide range of mentors and prototypes and you know different worldviews that might be available to you. Because if we only focus on one type of person, one type of profession, one type of point of view, then we are limiting ourselves immensely in the type of support that we can receive from our mentors. I would love to speak of one of my mentors. Um, he comes from the academic world, and he has been a supportive force in my life since my graduate program. And fortunately, has been able to see me through the very many different phases of my life. And in that sense, I, I have uh, this great anchor of a mentor that I, I'm fortunate to have. And in the meantime, I also have people from other industries, people from perhaps even other religions, racial backgrounds, genders, who have all served as mentors for different reasons and different purposes in my life. So I might have somebody in my life who is a strong supportive source um, when it comes to my motherhood and different ways that I might want to vent or celebrate or process what it means to be a mother. I might also have a different mentor as it pertains to my career. Perhaps there are some career trajectories that I'm aiming for or challenges that I'm facing that would be really incredibly helpful to process with a mentor. It might not be the same mentor that I would use you know, to process motherhood. And then there's the possibility of a mentor for romantic relationships. Because I, I personally love to see people who have been there, done that, and have done it well. And I would love to sit and learn from them. And so I have people in my life who I have intentionally gravitated towards because of their success in their relationships. And they have become my mentor in that sense. Now, your mentors also don't have to be people that you are personally engaging with. My first mentor, who I never have met yet, is Oprah Winfrey. I mean, at growing up, I've always watched what she does. I've always, I've admired her career trajectory, and I've always loved the personal insight that she offers based on the lessons that she learns publicly. And so as I have followed her journey, 
little does she know, she has actually been a mentor for me. And so it's important to realize that we have to broaden our horizons about who that mentor could be, but we also need to be open to the idea that all of our mentors might not be people we ever meet. And this actually opens your, your options quite a bit because if you can perceive somebody who is doing what inspires you, who is doing the things that you want to do with your life eventually, being able to add them to your board of directors or your team of mentors um, is going to benefit you immensely. So you want to make sure that, yes, you have mentors that are there and in flesh and in person with you, but you also want to be open-minded to the idea that your mentor might be somebody you never would have guessed could be that mentor for you. In light of all that has been happening in the last two years with COVID, quarantine, racial injustice, craziness with politics, how is it that you manage to maintain your joy? Well, personally, I maintain my joy from within. I tend to get my joy from past experiences, past happiness, past good things that I've endured. Other ways may be external, other ways may be from above. But with the case with what's going on right now in the world with the health situation, the politics, leaders, it's just not a good external outlet for joy right now. So I tend to get mine from within. Reloving is not just about finding new love. When we come back, I'll tell you what it means to relove. Thank you. Black excellence is still at an all-time high. Back with me is Angela Rye, Macaulay Sellers, April Ryan, and Angel Gillum to talk about it. Don, we're not new to this. We're true to this. Two to one. To overcome it and doing the dang thing. Can't argue with that. Miss USA, Miss Teen USA, Miss America, and Miss Universe were all black women. Mahershala, Ruth Carter, Hannah Beachler, and Peter Ramsey made history at the Oscars. And Spike finally got hit. The American Medical Association elected a black woman, Dr. Patricia Harris. Coco Golf broke new ground on the tennis court at just 15. Ava's still Aving, Will's still willing, Issa's still Issa'ing, and everyone is still working to make our ancestors proud. Happy Black History Month! amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? 
I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. is around a term that I have developed on my own, which is called re-love. And what that means is essentially taking an entire new look at love. Because a lot of times when we have been heartbroken, uh, you know, we, we give up on love. We're really kind of jaded by love and we don't want anything to do with it. Either that or we desperately are trying to get back into love as soon as possible. Neither are healthy. Neither are beneficial. So when we re-love, we take an account of what love really means to us. We think about that. Um, we also process what we want love to mean for us uh, you know, going forward in our future. And so maybe what I experienced in my previous relationship wasn't exactly the kind of love that I want to experience moving forward. Or maybe there's elements of that relationship that I do love and I want to take with me and then I can leave the others. And that's the beauty of this restart is because you have the ability to take with you what worked for you and leave behind what didn't work for you. So I'll tell you one thing. Um, now my ex-husband and I get along really well. Um, but one of the things he did not like was pork and I love bacon. I love bacon. (laughs) And so we just didn't eat bacon, you know, when we were married. I just didn't bring it home. I didn't cook it. We just didn't do, I just did not do bacon for that period of my life. Now I eat bacon every single day. (laughs) I have reintroduced that into my life. I have reintroduced the love for bacon into my life. And so that's an example, re-loving. I am finding new ways to love myself in a way that is, um, that, that brings me joy. Bacon brings me joy. That's going to have to be a shirt <laughs> for, for the future. But yes, that is one of the things that I've had to really kind of sort out. What worked for me? What did not work for me? What gets to come with me and what gets to stay behind? And so reloving includes reloving yourself and really redefining what love means. Taking another look at yourself, determining what does this person need in order to truly feel loved today, tomorrow, in future relationships, in current relationships, what do I need? And what do I need to do for myself to ensure that I am experiencing the love that I need to experience from the inside out? Because that love begins inside and it exudes outward and then people respond to that. So it's important for us to think about that. And then the other piece is, believe it or not, my editor, my first editor debated me on this, but re-love the ex. And that is a, a hard thing to, for people to wrap their minds around because they might be consumed with hate for the ex. And that's exactly the point. We want to remove the hate 
We want to find ways to relove the ex. Doesn't mean getting back with them, but it does mean that when their name crosses your mind, or if they cross your path, or if you see them on social media, you have grown to a point where anxiety no longer bubbles up in you, where you are at peace no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, because you have found the peace within. Now, I do realize that this is more difficult in some situations than others. If you're, if we're talking about a case in which somebody has been, you know, really traumatized by the ex, I completely understand that reloving is not going to necessarily come as easily. What I really mean by reloving the ex is really having the willingness to retell that story, to reframe that story so that you can be able to move forward without the weight of the negativity that may have happened in the previous relationship. It's always easy for us to take the positive with us. Um, and, and it's maybe sometimes difficult to think about the positive that we don't have anymore. But what's really difficult is to take the, the negative experiences and to be able to continue forward in peace in spite of those negative relationships, in spite of those negative aspects. And so that's one of the things that having uh, the ability and the willingness to relove our ex means. It, it, it includes forgiveness. Um, it includes being able to sort of let go of those grudges or any of those uh, you know, negative feelings that we have towards them. And really because it's our fuel, it's, it's the ability, it gives us the ability to find the joy that we need in order to move to a new place in life. So it's not always about I'm forgiving my ex and I'm seeing my ex in this new light for them and so that they can feel better. But it's also because I need those shackles taken off of me so that I can effectively dance in my joy. Welcome back to the Joy Whisperer. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about forgiveness. It's a wide dynamic when it comes to forgiveness because there's a lot of different ways to look at it. One of the things that we often hear, and which I actually have said on the show, is that we forgive for ourselves, not necessarily for the other person. But what I'd like to do is offer you a bit of a different perspective on forgiveness that I actually found quite intriguing. Now, forgiveness does not always look as beautiful as the graphic that you may see behind me. There's a lot of dynamics to it, and sometimes it's not always as clear-cut and simple um, as we would like for it to be. Now, of course, there are situations that sometimes are so tumultuous and difficult for us to recover from that forgiveness is the very last thing on our mind and, and something that we actually may insist that we'll never be able to do. I want to give you permission to choose forgiveness in the way that best suits you. And I want to do that by sharing a story with you that I experienced when I actually heard on um, going to a conference on um, couples therapy through Harvard. And one of the things that they, uh, one of the speakers presented 
was this idea that we can forgive at the capacity that we are able to forgive and that we can actually choose that capacity based on what's best for ourselves. Now, of course, when I first heard this, I thought, I don't know, it doesn't sound like what everybody's been telling us, if we forgive for ourselves and not for the other person. And if we're not fully forgiving and we only pick a certain capacity, how is that really forgiveness? Well, the story that the speaker gave was that of a couple that experienced infidelity. The husband cheated on the wife while he was out of town. The wife was actually caring for her terminally ill mother when this happened. And they found out, or you know, they, they, it, it came to the surface that he had been cheating on her, and they went to therapy for quite some time. And eventually they were able to repair their relationship. But during dinner one night, the husband asked the wife, you know, are you good? You know, and she said, yes, I am. You know, I'm fine. But the waitress came to the table and the waitress introduced herself and she was named the same name as the woman her husband had had an affair with. And it triggered her and it brought in all of the emotions. And it was supposed to be their anniversary dinner. And so, you know, we think that everything is going to be okay until a trigger happens. So when they got back to therapy, the therapist asked, well, do you fully forgive your husband? And she said, you know what? I forgive 80% of what happened. But that 20%, which is the part where I'm caring for my mother and he's having an affair, I can never forgive that part. Now, this story was absolutely mind-blowing to me and in a number of different ways. First of all, it was liberating in that it let me know that it is okay to not be okay with a certain aspect of the hurt you experienced. So for this wife, she was able to forgive her husband she was able to understand the act and, and why things happened and let that go to the point in which, you know, that it, that it reached the, the, the mother, the, her caring for her mother. When it got to that point, she could not forgive that part because there's elements of that level of betrayal that went far beyond her ability to forgive. Now, while this might be a controversial concept, I'm going to forgive partially but not completely, it's up to us to decide how we want to digest this information. But when I heard it, I thought, you know what? It really gives my power back to be able to make a decision about how I want to forgive, when I want to forgive, and the extent to which I am able to forgive at this moment. It may be that the wife in five years can say, you know what, I have been able to let that go. But right now, she is at 80% forgiveness, 20% I cannot. And I think it's important for us to be able to respect that decision, both within ourselves, to give ourselves room and permission to, to be real with ourselves, but to also accept that with other people. And what saved their marriage is that the husband was able to accept that and that they were able to move forward with their truth. From your lens of the justice system, what glimmers of hope for change do you see that brings you joy? I think there is a growing awareness of what those issues are, and that's important. I think there's amazing people working in the system, in the justice system, and who are so passionate about their work. There's an openness to thinking about 
um, legal services differently. And there's growing diversity in the judiciary and the students who are attending law school, just opening our perspectives. An amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I gonna get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, it allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I, I don't really think I could have asked for much more. So this week's gift to myself is that I took a crazy long and ridiculous nap on Sunday. And it was a nap that I needed and a nap that I enjoyed. Why is this such a big deal? Well, I just recently I was engaging with somebody on social media who believes that, you know, rest is only something that's available to people who have money or who have time are not broke. And I just thought, well, that's interesting because it doesn't matter whether I am broke or whether or not I am doing well. I take the time I need to take to rest. And that's really the point of the long nap that I took on Sunday. Um, now, I find ways to integrate short naps throughout the week when needed um, in between meetings, or maybe it's just at the end of my workday and I just need to take a quick hour, 30 minute break. Um, for some people, they're going to say quick. For me, that's quick. And just recover because the second half of my night is going to start. Um, with motherhood and taking my daughter where she, where she needs to go and fixing dinner and engaging with family and friends. So I don't wait until the, the night is over to give myself rest. I make sure that I integrate rest as much as possible into different parts of my day. So what about the people who work nine to fives? How can they possibly take a nap? Well, I guess it's just going to take a lot of creativity to do that. When I worked my nine to five, I had a sleeping bag under my desk and I went to sleep. <laughs> so it just depends on the setup and the level of creativity and the space that you're able to create for yourself in order to make sure that you can get the rest you need. Taking a nap is not necessarily what everybody needs for rest. Sometimes that can be taking a walk. Sometimes that can be just sitting at your desk and quietly meditating for a few minutes. Figure out what it is that works for you and make sure that you do whatever it takes to make sure that that can happen. This is why I value naps so much. For me, it's naps. For you, it might be something completely different. But what's most important is that you find out what that is and that you do it. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of The Joy Whisperer. I look forward to continuing the conversation with you on my social media pages on LinkedIn and Whispering Joy on Instagram. Join us every Thursday at noon on Roku and the next day for live streaming on Sensation Station Network's Facebook page, as well as my LinkedIn page. Remember, joy is our greatest energy source. Be sure to tap into it this week.